Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 768, air date September 10th, 2020. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure, as promised. Are we live on Instagram? We are not. Okay, so we're live on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As promised, today we're going to be having our second session, which is on election fraud in Massachusetts. And we have some very, very interesting news to also share with you on some breaking news on some actions that we've taken uh, to really expose this fraud at a deeper level with the Secretary of State, and I'll be bringing that up shortly. Uh, but today it's part two, and we're gonna really talk about the software mechanics of fraud. So I'm gonna teach everyone a little bit deeper about software development. You're gonna learn something about data types, about counting integers versus decimals, or essentially integers versus floating point variables. And then we're gonna dive deep into the software. And I wanna thank uh, three people who really introduced me to this, uh, Bev Harris, uh, Benny Smith, as well as John Brackey, uh, Brakey. And I think, you know, they've been at this for probably three or four years. Bev probably before that, Bev Harris. And she contacted us through Facebook when she heard about ours and she introduced us to some concepts. And she said, Shiva, I typically don't return a lot of calls, but given your background, I think you'll get it. And Benny also said, you know, I'm a, um, I went to high school, I figured this stuff out. A lot of people, you know, uh, don't believe everything I'm saying. And he was very, very happy to see that I'd gotten involved in this. And as many of you know, you know, I never really viewed, um, I never even thought that, you know, that, I mean, I knew the establishment is insidious. And when we ran our campaign, all of us knew we were gonna win on a landslide given the effort we did. And the only thing that was in the back of the mind, myself and some of our senior team people, uh, people like Richard and others, was that the only way they're gonna win is by cheating. That was the only way. Because of the amount of work we've done on the ground, because of the feedback that we're getting back from all of the people on the ground that this was gonna be a landslide, we knew that the only way that they could win was by cheating. And that's exactly what they did. And unfortunately, I think for them, is they did it to somebody who actually has been programming since I was you know, 14 years old, probably for over 40 years. I understand software. I build large scale software systems. I've built software for the largest companies in the world. And this is actually a no brainer when you go down to the depth. And again, I wanna thank uh, people like Bev Harris, Benny Smith and John Brackey, who were really you know, people who put themselves out there to do this. So I have the opportunity to take this to another level in exposing this and articulating this. So I hope um, you're gonna enjoy this, but this is really part two. As many of you know, I'm running for United States Senate. We have launched our write-in campaign. Everything is launched, right? I think the donations are launched, right? People can donate to the campaign. There's some glitch uh, that people are fixing, but you can donate to the campaign. We are running in the November 3rd general elections and we're running as a write-in candidate. And remember to all of you out there, nothing has fundamentally changed. All that means now is that the establishment doesn't put our name on the ballot, even though we legitimately got on there and they illegitimately stole our vote. But what it means is that people can write in our name still on the ballot, that's still allowed by federal law. There's a place where people can write in our name and check that. So the good news is that um, people should be excited because they can actually write in our names. And what's really powerful about the write-in is that it's all hand counted and you're gonna see the flaws in the machine in tonight's uh, conversation but everyone can go to our website. Uh, you can go right up there. You can donate to the campaign. 
You can also, very importantly, you, we've added a nice big pledge button. We want everyone out there to start pledging to support this campaign, which means if you're in Massachusetts or those of you outside who have friends, um, should tell all your friends to go to the nice big pledge button or the vote link right here and tell people to start logging that they are gonna be pledging first. We're gonna start tracking the establishment. We've started to build some capabilities. Once you pledge, once you get in your ballot, once you submit it, we're gonna start tracking that entire thing. Because right now, the entire voting system is completely fraudulent and it's not based on any type of evidence. We're gonna review that. And when you really look at it, you're gonna realize that we actually have no democracy in the United States. It's all an illusion particularly when it comes to voting, which is supposed to be one person, one vote. And you're gonna shortly realize that the voting systems are created. So it's not one person, one vote. In fact, it could be one person, a half a vote or 0.25 votes or 0.1 vote, or some people can get, you know, 10 votes, all right? Or hundred votes. So you're gonna realize that the entire technology that drives the electronic voting systems is written, is open for fraud. And this is no hyperbole. It should get everyone not only angry, but recognizing that our movement, Truth, Freedom and Health, is really going to bring this out in a much larger way. And again, I want to thank people like Bev Harris, Benny Smith and John Brackey who are out there fighting this. And, uh, you know, I think they've said, Shiva, you're probably one of the only people, the unique people that we know, because I have standing legally because this occurred to me. And we're, we must bring this out because otherwise we're all slaves. And in fact, I believe that's what we actually are when you take away all the veil of um, the, the, the illusion that we have of democracy. So, um, so today's talk, we're gonna jump right into it. Again, anyone out there, anyone outside of the United States, inside of the United States, remember you can donate to our campaign if you go right to our website, which I wanna go to here, you can support it. We need your support. Um, when, remember, when you donate to our campaign, everyone should know that in supporting our campaign, people actually get access to a powerful ebook called System and Revolution, which is right here. You get to understand how your body is a system, and that's for anyone who donates 25 or more. And it's important to understand that because our campaign is not waiting until we win an election to start doing stuff for you. Our campaign offers you stuff right now. So the book, you know, System and Revolution teaches you all types of systems your body, uh, you know, uh, mechanical systems. You can apply to electronic voting systems that we're gonna to do today, but you can also take that application of that theory and then you can actually use the technology that I'm sharing with you that's in the book to actually understand how your body is a system. I give you access to a very powerful tool that took me 20 years to build called Your Body, Your System, which has a lot of theoretical basis. You can answer a set of questions It'll figure out what kind of system you are, as I'm showing you here. By the way, those people on Instagram, you can go to YouTube. You can also go to um, uh, Facebook, or you can go right to uh, Twitter to also see these slides. But the Your Body, Your System tool helps you figure out what kind of system you are. Everyone has a particular system. We're all unique. And then it lets you figure out um, for you how you're deviating from where you should be, how your body's been disturbed. Maybe you weren't getting enough sleep. Maybe you weren't, you were working too hard or you didn't eat the right foods. That's a black dot. And then you can figure out what are the right inputs to get you back to who you are. So anyway, the, the key point is our movement for truth, freedom and health is really to take a whole systems understanding of any problem. And what better way to do it than for you to learn the theory and then you'd apply it to your own body. And that's just the beginning. So 
please take advantage of that. It's also a very tangible way you can support our campaign. Um, so what I want to do today is I'm going to jump right in and we're going to go look. Uh, we're going to jump right into the slide set. OK, so when I go through this, the first part of what I'm going to do is yesterday, for those of you who missed us, um, I'm going to review, do a little bit of review um, about election fraud. And yesterday I gave sort of the big picture. So we're going to do a re quick review of the big picture. And then we're going to dive right into the mechanics of the software mechanics of fraud. So you're going to leave today really understanding software, counting methods, what the technologies use primarily in about 90 plus percent of the systems that are out there for electronic voting. We're not talking about hand voting because most of voting today is done by these electronic systems. So you're going to leave with a, a very good understanding of that. And you're also going to realize how the, the people who created these systems and the people who can subvert them have put a nice, big, beautiful hole in it so they can manipulate the election within seconds. That's what we're going to go over today. All right, so let's just begin. Um, let me begin right here by, first of all, as you notice, the title Software Mechanics of Fraud is part two. So let's the key takeaways you're going to learn today are, number one, working people are under assault by the establishment. Working people. I want to mention that because working people have not been really talked about in the mainstream media. Maybe once in a while they put some statistic, statistics up. But working people are the ones who are really being enslaved. Number two point, and the second point I want to make is we have an illusion of democracy. And what that means is there's one rule for them and another for us, okay? They can get away with murder. They all get together. When we start exposing election fraud, you'll see whether it's a liberal media or the right-wing, quote-unquote, right-wing media, they're all coming together because they've all been involved in this election fraud. And the election outcomes you're going to learn are all unverifiable. There's no evidence. You, you're just seeing numbers in some Boston Globe or the New York Times. But you know what? None of those numbers are verifiable. None of those numbers, all of those numbers should be retracted if this was ever published in any type of, you know, real journal, because the methodology, as you're going to find out, is fallible. The inputs have no type of verification. The third thing we're going to go into deep today as part of our uh, talk today is the rigging is controlled at the software level. There's no transparency. It is, as Bev Harris says, a black box. Our votes can be weighted. It's not one person, one vote. That's where you're gonna learn the other thing. Our votes can be weighted. So someone who votes for me, they can be cut in half. Someone who votes for you know Dylan here, they can get double their votes, okay? So what that means is it's not one person, one vote. One candidate's total votes can be halved and another candidate's can overnight be doubled. That's a very important feature. Now, we haven't even talked about the deception in mail-in ballots where they can just throw away stuff, okay? Um, that's another piece in our case. Our view is about 100,000 ballots were just disappeared um, through the mail-in mangling, just throw them away, and through this uh, mangling we're going to talk about here. And the third piece, the fourth piece I want everyone to walk away is there is a solution to this, and there is only one solution, and that solution is working people, which are those of us who actually work for a living, whether you're a nurse, a policeman, a software engineer, a mother, an innovator, a small business person, we have to unite and we got to go beyond black and white. And I can't overemphasize it. Anyone who wants to be in this stupid, stupid, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm left, I'm right, 
You, you got it all wrong. That's exactly what they want you to do. There is no Republican Democrat divide. There is no left right divide. This is all manufactured to keep working people disunited. And while they, you know, uh, rob the house, that's what's been going on. So that's what we're witnessing right now in this country, that the dialectic that's taking place between left and right, Republican, Democrat, left and, you know, left and right, it's all BS. And the, the sooner working people realize this change can occur fast because we'll start uniting around some very common principles of truth, freedom and health. So let's jump right into the big picture, what I went over yesterday. First is truth, freedom and health are being violated. Working people are the victims of this attack. As I mentioned, 52% of kids live with their parents. That hasn't occurred. It's a highest level. The last time it was that high was during the Great Depression, where it's 48%. Middle class is being absolutely squeezed. And this is beyond black and white. And this is beyond left and right. You know, whether you're black or white, whether you're left or right, you know what? They're coming after you with forced vaccinations. They're censoring us, the five big, big tech companies. We have crumbling infrastructure. The United States has a D plus in infrastructure. Massachusetts is an F minus minus we're becoming Massachusetts is a third world state. In my view, it's a failed third world state. And there's probably others. We have dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. We have increasing homelessness. Massachusetts by, by way of statistics and numbers had the highest increase in homelessness, 18% in the country. And Massachusetts is a center. I'm going to argue with you is the epicenter of election fraud is innovated. In fact, the company that owns most of the technology was here in Massachusetts and Andover, Massachusetts. They just moved over the border to New Hampshire, probably for tax benefits. But this is a center of innovation, of fraud and deceit. So um, as I said yesterday, I shared with you some very interesting slides, how the majority of young adults in the U.S. live with their parents for the first time since the Great Depression. We shared with you this interesting graph here where you're looking at 52% of people since July, 2020, young adults between the ages of 18 to 24 now live with their parents. And we also shared some demographic analysis between men and women, Hispanics. And you can see in ages 18 to 24, it's nearly 71%. In ages uh, 25 to 29, it's nearly 26%. That's ages for all people and it's gone up significantly. So you're looking across the board uh, at unprecedented levels of people living with their parents, which is a very big indicator of the economic situation. Forget all the quote unquote ex exploding stock market. The second thing we need to realize is that the middle class is being squeezed. You can see here, you know, the middle class used to be the majority in the 70s. Then in 2015, they become around the same as the upper and lower classes combined. And where we're headed is through the total squeezing of the middle class. The lower classes are explosively growing. Food stamps, people on welfare, they're basically becoming state owned property. Okay. And that's what the establishment wants because what the establishment wants is they want a small group of people. A lot of things are going to be robotized for productivity for them. And you know what? They don't, they don't need people. That's what you have to understand in their expense model. They're not going to need people. So it's going to essentially be, are we going to become machines? As I argue in my book, the climate of science, um, or are we going to become humans? That's what this is really about. The establishment wants to make us machines, force vaccinate us, censor us, have us wearing masks, fall in line. And if we're not willing to do that, we will be replaced by machines. And the technology is moving very rapidly. And at that point, they won't need us. So this is basically 
a fundamental checkmate, the final checkmate that's taking place. And that's what it's really about. As I shared, you know, when you start looking beyond black and white, the average net worth of a black person in Boston is about eight bucks. The average net worth of a, of a white person in Boston in the midst of Massachusetts being this liberal state where, you know, we were just out at the shopping place, right? We saw all these liberal white people saying black lives matter. Well, black lives matter. What have they been doing for 50 years? The situation of black people in Massachusetts is $8 is their net worth. And that of their white counterpart is $250,000. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, poor white folk are doing great. In fact, it's quite the opposite. When you start really looking at it, poor whites, their household income has gone down by nearly half from 42,000 down to 22,000. So the poor are getting poorer, black, brown, or white and the rich are explosively growing in their wealth. In fact, in the last four months, we had the biggest transfer of wealth in this country. 600 billionaires increased their wealth by $2.3 trillion. That's what's going on. And, you know, so we got to move beyond this black, white stuff. You know, over here, you have people planting in BLM signs. And over here, you have people saying, we got to stop defunding the police. But no one's talking about building, bringing police and people together, which is what our campaign is about. This division is manufactured by the elites and they perpetuate it. So blacks hate whites and whites hate blacks and they run off of the bank. So that was a background that I talked about to give you the overview. What I wanna talk about today is something very, very simple. So I wanna take this easy because I know some people are not good at math. Some of you never learned programming. Um, so I, I'm gonna give you some very, very simple concepts so we can bring everyone up to date. So the first concept that I wanna talk about is counting. Remember if you remember counting one, two, three, four, well, there, there's different ways you can count, okay? Computers have many different ways of counting. We as human beings, over probably the last two, 3,000 years, we built different ways of counting. And counting is very, very important to elections, right? Because I'm running, person A is running against person B, person A gets a vote, you count one vote, person B gets a vote, you count one vote, person A gets another vote, you say, okay, they got two votes, and so on, all right? But let's really review some very important elements of counting. Well, here's how we count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We use what's called base 10 arithmetic, and that can eventually go on to n all the way up to infinity, okay? But one of the important things to remember is these are in mathematics known as integers. Integers, what are integers? Integers are whole numbers. They're not fractional units. One, two, three, you know, it's one of something, you know, it's a whole of something. It's not, uh, you know, uh, dissecting something in halves or quarters or tenths, etc. But everyone is familiar with this. Again, very basic, but there's a phenomenon called counting. There's another way we can also count. You can go 1.1, 1. 1, 1 point. I mean, 1.0, 1.1, 2.75, 3.01, 4.1, 5.1, and so on. What, what is this? These are called decimals, right? So, you know, you start learning. If you go to grade school, you know, teacher teaches you what are called whole numbers, integers. And then at some point, I don't know when it takes place, third, fourth, fifth grade, I forget. You start learning what are called fractions or decimals, which are fractions of a whole number. So fraction, let's say one-tenth of one is denoted as 0.1. So the 1.1 here is one plus one-tenth of one. If you take 2.75, it's two and three quarters of one, which is denoted as 0.75. So you get 2.75. 2 here, when you have 3.01, 
it's three plus one one hundredth of one, okay? So decimals are valuable because you can start using them beyond whole numbers. And um, so it's not whole numbers, okay? So that's very clear, all right? So that is the phenomenon of counting. Now, let's go on to computers and variables. If you ever start learning some programming, which I recommend everyone should learn, I think it should be one of the elemental things that's taught to people. Um, at some point, I may actually do my own little university. I've thought about it, where I teach people some basic courses. I believe I could actually do a university in six months to one year better than any college university and teach people a lot more and charge a tenth of the money. People said I should do that. But anyway, programming would be one of those essential things. But let's talk about computers and variables, okay? Computers, by the way, are stupid. They don't know anything unless instructions you give them. We as humans give them instructions and they basically fire off a set of instructions. But before you can tell a computer what to do, it needs to know what kind of thing uh, it is that you're, that you're dealing with. What are the kinds of elements? So what you're seeing here is in the world of computers, everything that a computer deals with must be told what kind it is. And that's called a data type, data type. So here I found a, or a variable type. So here I'm giving you different kinds of data types in column one and what they mean, the variable types and the values they can have. So for example, a character like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. In a computer, we can go from minus 128 to 127. So you can have up to 255, 250, you know, including zero, 255 different characters. And those match typically to your keyboards on your computer, the A, B, C, D, E, F, the dollar sign, all those characters um, can be uh, associated with the car keyword. The other is an integer. An integer can go all the way. Remember, integers go from negative to positive whole numbers. It can go from negative 32,768 to positive 32,768. So if you use the integer value for a, key, for a variable type, it can have those ranges. So if you want to go beyond 32,767, you have to use something else called a long integer, okay? And a long allows you to go to minus 2 billion 147,483,648 to 2 billion, uh, so on, okay? So the point is computers, before you can manipulate variables, you have to say to the computer, this variable is this type. And you can see so on. Um, you can have floating point double. Now the, the, the two, the three that are gonna be interesting for us to talk about are the integer, which can have value, values from minus 32768 to 32767 because when we're counting votes, we want whole integers, right? That's what you would think. The, you know, Shiva got, you know, X million votes and Doofus got, you know, 100,000 votes, okay? Whatever that is. Um, however, there is another kind of variable called a floating point variable, which is to capture the notion of decimals. And the, the, the digits, so you can do 1.1234567, that's seven digits, or you can have more precise uh, decimal numbers, which can be 1.12345678910112123451245. 15 digits, right? So it depends on the precision you want. In it, scientists, when they're using computers for very, very precise calculations, they'll typically uh, use the double variable, which means you get double the precision versus a floating point variable. You can see the floating point gives seven digits in the decimal. Um, and the double gives 15, a little bit more than double, okay? 
That's what they call a double, okay? Um, so let's take a simple example. Now this is what I call pseudocode. Let's say you wanna add two numbers together and this is pseudocode. Um, uh, by the way, I hope everyone's tracking. We've reviewed, we've talked about counting integers and decimals. We've talked about data types. And now we're gonna do a simple example looking at if you were to write a computer program to add two numbers, let's say A and B to get C. Well, you notice what I'm doing here. I'm declaring the integer A um, a as an integer. So this is what you have to do when you write a computer program. A variable, which is A, has to be declared as a data type. Again, going back to this, you can see that we can have these different variable types, right? That you can have integer, floating point. Let me go back here, okay? So we, are, we want to do integer arithmetic. So we declare a variable A as an integer. We declare B as an integer. And we declare C as an integer. So that tells a computer a, B, or C can be minus 32,768 all the way up to 32,767, okay? So here I'm saying let A equal one, let B equal two, and I'm saying let C equal A plus B and print me C. Well, what should the value be? What should the value be, Dylan? Three. Three, okay, well, great. Um, so that's what you get, you get three, okay? And you notice it's a whole number three, all right? Now let me take another example. Let's assume I declare A as a double variable, B as a double variable, which means it can store a floating point variable. It can be one point something and two point something, for example. However, the thing that stores the sum, I'm keeping it as a integer, which is C. All right, so follow this along. So I'm setting A to equal 1.11111, five digits, and B, to be 2.22222. Now what happens when I add A plus B? Well, if you look here, A is a double, B is a double, but look what I'm doing, I'm putting it into an integer. So what do you think it's gonna be, Dylan? 3.3, uh, no, it can't be. Okay, so Dylan thinks it may be 3.33333. However, remember, the in, it's being stored in variable C, which is an integer. So what the computer will do, it'll cut it and it'll in fact return three, okay? This is why data types are extremely important in computers because if you set the data types wrong, guess what? You could screw up a calculation. You could blow up uh, a building. You could screw up a chemical reaction, okay? That you're doing some uh, very precise calculations on in physics, people have to get very specific on these uh, floating point numbers, okay? so. So the reason I'm sharing this with you is when people decide, when they're figuring out what data types to do, it's a very conscious decision. You following me? It's not something people just ad hoc do unless you're a very you know, stupid programmer, but it's done, most programmers uh, are very conscious of what they're setting as their data types. Okay, so I just wanna let everyone absorb that, that data type, the use of the right variable type or the data type, is crucial to programming. And it's something that's very consciously done, as you can see here. Now, let's continue with this example. So now what happens if we do another example? We have A is a double, B is a double, and C is also a double, okay? Now I say A is 1.11111, B is 2.22222, and now I do A plus B. What's C gonna be, Dylan? Uh, 3.33333. Right. Well, there you go. And why is that? Because the variable C is a double data type, okay? 
And that's what I want you to take away from this. I'm not going to go any deeper, but you basically learned the importance of data typing, that if you set your data types wrong, that you're going to, you can get truncation. It can be cut off. So it's very important to choose the data types. And 99% of the programmers who are Walter Salt, you know, are very, very, very specific on what they set their data types. Let me see if there's any questions on this. Jen, if people have any questions before I proceed. Um, Someone said, repeat the last one. Okay, let me repeat that. Natalie says, let me repeat the last one. We'll put Natalie's up. Uh, uh, Natalie says, let's repeat the last one. So let me repeat that again. So let's go back, no issues. So let me go back here. So what we're saying is in computers, when you're doing, when you're setting up your computer program, you have different variables. Those variables, you have to be very specific what the data type, the variable type you do. So in this case, we're declaring three variables, A, B, and C. All of them are declared as data type integer, integer, integer. Then we're doing math, one plus two, and A is an integer, B is an in integer. So A plus B, what do you get? You get three, and it's stored into a variable, which is also an integer. Therefore, you get, therefore you get three. However, here in this case, we're doing mixed data types. A and B are double variables. Double, go back here, is a data type that can store decimals. It's for decimal types. So what do we have here? A is 1.11111, B is 2.22222, and C is an integer data type. So when it adds 1.11111 plus 2.22222, you would think it should get 3.33333. However, remember the computers are stupid. It says, oh, C is a integer, so I'm gonna cut off that decimal point, right? So therefore you only get three. However, in this final example, Natalie, what we're doing is we're declaring A is a double, B is a double, and C also is a double, which means it's also can store decimals. So this is why we get 3.33333, okay? Let me see if Natalie is cool with that. Natalie, is that cool? Okay, let's see what she says. Okay, great, <laughs> excellent. So Natalie's happy. She's got it. Uh, let me see. I'll put Natalie's comment up. Natalie said, makes me cry with joy from your teaching, the reality and making us aware and smarter. Good. So everyone got that. Um, thanks, Natalie, for, for asking that question, because I think um, it's really important that we show everyone what's going on. Okay. So now everyone understands numbers. Okay. And the importance of data typing in a computer. Now, Let's go, remember last time I discussed with everyone, what is evidence? Because I had a very foolish fool who was asking me, show me the evidence of the voting. Well, the idiot doesn't even understand what evidence is. And we have to, uh, by the way, you know, some people are annoyed that I use certain terms. You got to, uh, let me tell you, the establishment that people are talking about are quite evil people. And there's no reason being kind to these people. These people are very, very evil people. And, um, before people get politically correct, they should understand that these people do not give a damn about you. They do not give a damn about your lives. They all work together. So this fool who was asking about evidence doesn't even know what the term evidence is. And me questioning him, he gets even more upset because he thinks he knows it all because his entire existence is based on fooling people. So we don't want to do that. So what is evidence? Evidence, as I discussed yesterday, is unambiguous predictions. Evidence is unambiguous predictions. This is a you won't, everyone listening out there, if you, I, I'm repeating it again, but 
really listen to the definition of evidence, it means it's unambiguous predictions. What does that mean? It means that what people typically do in science is they're taking some phenomenon that they're observing and they're trying to model it typically through some mathematical system or a computer and they're trying to predict the future okay so with the climate change models for example it's all bogus there is no evidence of the earth is going to end because they take this data in they create a mathematical model and they come up with predictions well it's all ambiguous predictions because if you go look at the ipcc report they have 40 different predictions of how much ice will melt on the arctic one model predicts no ice will melt another model predicts all the ice will, will melt by 2030 and there's different baskin robbins flavors in between 30 percent 40 that's not evidence that is ambiguous predictions it's basically bs okay so evidence is when you can predict something with unambiguity with such precision that you know that answer is right so for example for, so for example when an apple falls from a tree using newton's equations we can predict exactly the force between the apple and the earth and exactly how long it will fall with precision. That is called evidence, that the fact that you can predict that with precision. Now, consider that with our voting systems, okay? You have an input coming in, you as a voter, or all of us as voters going to the voting booth, putting our vote in, and then we're sitting home at TV and we're seeing some numbers come up, which are basically predictions because they're counting the votes, so think about what's happening. Votes are going through there, either hand, people are observing them by hand, right? The input is the vote that you voted for person A. Someone is counting person A and they're tallying one vote for person A. And then someone is counting one vote for person B and they're keeping them in a sheet. And then the output is, okay, person A got so many votes, person B got X votes. And then you would say, okay, is this unambiguous prediction of what actually took place? And in order to do that, you should be able to backtrack all the way to figure out who voted, did they actually vote, and did that system, whether it was a person counting, did they not throw something in their pocket, did they not count properly, whether that was done with absolute precision. If you can say that, then you can say the number of A and B is unambiguous prediction and it's evidence. So to be more precise, what is actually going on today is the input, there is no voter ID, there is no authentication. There is no receipt. You can't even prove that you voted in an election. In many other quote unquote third world countries, when you go in to vote, they take your thumbprint, they give you a receipt. In the United States, the in, it's flawed from the beginning. There is no voter ID. There is no authentication. There is no receipt. None of you, if any of you voted in the primaries in Massachusetts or elsewhere in September 1, you cannot prove to me or any court of law that it was in fact you who went and voted. So to begin with, there's no definitive proof of your voting. So we have ambiguity right there on the input. Now let's go into understanding the output. If the input is 10 votes for A and 20 votes for B, and the output, right, if that's what actually came in, the output should give 10 votes for A and 20 votes for B, right? That would be unambiguous prediction of what actually took place. Provided the system right in the middle there, the device or system cannot change the output. If it is possible for that system to take the 10 votes, for example, and reduce it down to five and take the 20 votes and boost it up to 40, then there is an ambiguity. And therefore, the evidence is not evidence. 
since the output is ambiguous, just like these people making crazy predictions. Remember, the stuff coming out are numbers you're seeing on CNN or Fox News. It's coming out of the system. So now that's where I ended yesterday. Now we're going to go deeper. Okay. And just to put this in context, what we talked about yesterday was the facts and the predictions. Just to keep this in context, our campaign activity in the 2020 election was 20,000 plus donations, 3,000 volunteers, 5,000 standouts, 7,000 plus lawn signs, 500,000 brochures and cards we gave out. We nearly spent a half a million on TV, radio, and billboards. 250 cities are bus, bus visited with me personally. Dynamic, vibrant, real campaign. That's what really happened. You know, I ran in 2018. I had probably a tenth of the visibility that I had today. I got about 100,000 votes last time. Now, the fool that we ran against, who's the governor's boy, he's his little boy, we call him doofus, because that's what these people are, and they deserve very harsh names. I'm being frankly kind, because these people are criminals and crooks. They're part of the establishment, and we should call them names. They don't deserve you know, our kindness or political correctness. And if you're going to get politically correct with them, it's basically you're basically saying they're kind people. They're not. Okay? So doofus here was nowhere to be seen. No campaigning, no active volunteers, no brand equity, no organizations, no lawn signs, no bumper stickers. Okay, compare the difference. We were working people who worked. This guy was an elite, supported by the governor. Uh, by all accounts, we've heard he's been given a judgeship. That's what they do to lose to the Democrat. That's and what happened in spite of all of this effort that was done by us working people, and in spite of no work done by this fool. Look at the results. He got 60% of the votes to my 40%. Now, what's really interesting is that 60 to 40 was the same in black neighborhoods, in Hispanic neighborhoods, in all white neighborhoods. I'm sorry, this guy's a pasty-faced white guy, okay? That's what you know people would call him. He got the same number of votes in an all-black neighborhood, in a Hispanic neighborhood in Lawrence, where in Lawrence, Massachusetts, there's 30% unemployment. Either he's a marketing genius, as I said, or something else happened, okay? Again, look at the results here and look at look at the actual activities, the inputs, and this, and this is the output you get. Now, in the midst of this, the Secretary of State, who we just, by the way, gave a Freedom of Information demand letter to, which we'll talk about, he was saying this is gonna be the highest voting in 20 years, in two decades. We're gonna have the highest voting. And that would mean Republicans and Democrats, right? And this is what he said to the Patriot Ledger that, at, by the way, the day before the election, he said he had already gotten 768,000 mail-in ballots. Remember, this was the first time mail-in ballots were introduced in Massachusetts. Okay. He had got nearly three quarters of a million mail-in ballots for the Democrats and only 88,000 for the Republicans. And look at it, it gets even more interesting. He was projecting that face-to-face -face, 250,000 Democrats would vote but only 50,000 Republicans. And he was predicting a total of 150,000 Republicans would vote and about 1.2 million. So let's just look at, and by the way, Galvin, the Secretary of State who's known as one of the most corrupt guys, he was indicted, as I understand, for by the Department of Justice, and he still get to keep his job um, on criminal things, okay? Now he's considered by some people the sage, he never gets anything wrong. Well, look at what Galvin had predicted. He had predicted 150,000 Republicans would be voting in the 2020 primary, knowing that he'd already gotten close to 90,000 mail-in. So he's predicting another 50 to 60,000 people are only going to vote. Just absorb that. 
Only 50,000 people are going to vote. And he's saying 150,000 total Republicans. Meanwhile, he was saying 1.2 million Democrats were going to vote and he had already received 768 mail-in. So he was basically saying on voting day on September 1, and he put this out on August 30th, only 55,000 Republicans are going to come in and about five times more Democrats are going to come in. So I want to ask you, why is Galvin saying only 150,000 Republicans? And why is Galvin saying only 55,000 will vote in person? This is a fundamental question that leads to the fraud issue. Here is a guy who's been doing this for 40 years. He's a bureaucrat. He knows elections really well. He's saying only 150,000 Republicans are going to vote. When in 2018, 2018, two years ago, 261,000 Republicans voted. So does this make any sense? Look at this headline. Massachusetts primary turnout could be the highest. Highest. We know 261,000 Republicans voted in 2018 in the Republican primary. And this sage is predicting 110,000 less Republicans are going to vote. Does that make any sense? Does the math add up? Why is he saying this before the election day? Why is he even making this prediction? Okay. Now, here's the reality. The reality is 259,000 people voted in the 2020 Republican primary. So Galvin was 100,000 off in projections. That's 75% error. Now, it gets even more interesting. In 2018 Republican primary, 261,000 people voted. So we went down. It didn't go up. If this was the highest, it went down. Per our projections, mail-in ballots were always increasing votes by 25%. There should have been a minimum of 325,000 people. So here's this fellow Galvin predicting nearly 170,000 less than what you should have. And his numbers are way off that you actually get more than what he predicted, but less than 2018. Meanwhile, on the ground, we're hearing Shiva's going to win on a landslide and we never heard of doofus consistently. So facts versus predictions. In summary, you see in 2018 primary before mail-in ballots. So in the last primary to put this in the big picture, 600,000 Democrats voted when Elizabeth Warren ran unopposed, 261,000 Republicans voted. So that's 861,000 voters came out of 2018 before mail-in voting. Well, with mail-in voting, look what happens. We have 1.7 million voters. Okay. That's quite extraordinary. It doubled, right? Mail-in voting is doubled. I had only said 25% increase, not 200% increase. I said only 25% increase. We should get 325,000, but look what's, look what's quite profound here of that doubling. It was really more than double to all the Democrats. Republicans went down. So it was a hundred percent increase in Democrat voters, but Republican voters went down by half a percent. Votes are missing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this doesn't make any sense. So you have the secretary of state basically signaling the establishment votes are going to be down. Votes are going to be down. He, he was signaling, sending signals to whoever. And the reality is this doesn't make any sense. So how did they do it? Let's talk about the software mechanics of fraud. How do they do it? Well, as I mentioned yesterday, thanks again to the work of Bev Harris, Benny Smith, and John Brackey, Bev Harris figured out there is the system, and you can go do your own research on it, um, the technology that most voting systems are based on is called the GEMS D-Bold system, D-I-E-B-O-L-D. It's the election system. And this is version 1.18 of the user's guide. 
from about 10 years uh, back in 2002, about 18 years ago. Why is this date important? Because that's the year that they did a fundamental new feature addition to all voting systems. And by the way, as I get into this, let's step back and teach you a little bit about software. You've learned how computers count. You've learned about data types. But if you're building a software system, you know, you typically build a software system, like I mentioned, in layers. The bottommost layer is called your data layer. That's where you store your data in a database, in some file format, a relational database, a flat file database, a hierarchical database. Um, you can use blockchains, right? There's all different ways of storing data, but that's the foundational layer. Above the data layer, you build what's called your business process layer, the logical layer that knows how to, it's code, software code that knows how to communicate to the data layer, make a call and get data back. And then that data, uh, that business logic layer takes the data, it's sort of the middleware that then it presents it to the presentation layer through let's say a graph. So if the data layer has number of votes for two people, the business logic layer says, hey, find me how many votes Shiva got, A, how much did Doofus get, B, and then put it into a bar graph, okay? That's done at the presentation layer, all right? So there you go. This is, you basically learned the three-tier architecture of pretty much every software system in the world, okay? So if you're using, for example, um, any type of application that have a data layer, the business logic layer, and the UI is what you see, all right? And we talked about this in the previous thing, and you can go look at it before. Now, the Debold system, thanks to, again, Bev Harris and Benny, I really dove deep into it. I basically read the entire manual, okay? As a software developer, you have to know manuals. So I've gone through this manual. I'm not going to bore you with that, but what I'm going to share with you is some very, very important, I want to uh, highlight a couple of things. So first of all, if you go read this manual, if you have the chance to read it, um, I'm not saying you should, but if you do, you'll find out that these software systems do everything. They handle the entire election cycle from setting up what the ballot should look like, how it should be printed, right? How the data is captured, what kind of race. You can create ballots for one-on-one -on -one race, for, for one-on-three race, right? You know, three people running for different kinds of race types, they call it, okay? And so the point is that these systems let you set up the entire, they let you define the election, they have administrative panels, they have the user interface to set up uh, the, the voting systems, how to print it, all sorts of things as I'm showing it with these flowcharts, how to finally close out the ballot, how to archive the data, how to audit the process too. They save audit logs of all of this, okay? So all of this is, is stored in these very um, interesting systems called voting election voting systems, all right? Um, what I wanna share here with you now is that in these systems, um, on, and this is on uh, page 122 in chapter two. When you're setting up these systems, you can set up a type of race. So remember, it could be two person race, person A running against person B. And it lets you set up beautiful different options. Now, what you're noticing here is when I went, now what happened, that's interesting that Benny Smith brings out, is that in the global election system, in the GEMS 1.18.1 release notes, in June of 27, 2001, Diebold introduced a very new type of race. They called it the weighted race, you see? And this is right out of their release notes. It says, add new weighted race. What is a release note, by the way? Whenever new software comes, if you get a new upgrade on your iOS or your Android, uh, if you wanna go find, you'll type the release notes. Like, what did we actually add in this, in this new upgrade? 
So these are the release notes. Look what they did. They added a new feature in these voting systems called the weighted race. Okay. Now, why did they do that? Let me give you some background. Some people from conjecture and from evidence that we have um, uh, and, uh, and conversations with Bev, at some point, people said, oh, you're doing these voting systems. Maybe we could use these voting systems in homeowners associations. So for example, let's say you lived in a condo unit, okay? Where you have a thousand people live in a condo unit, okay? I mean, in a, in a condo. And each person has about a thousand square foot of space, but let's say Dylan has 2000 square foot of space and all the thousand owners are gonna vote on if we should fix up the driveway, right? In the condo unit or fix up, I don't know, the electrical system. Remember, um, they pro rata that amount of money that people should spend. So one of the things that was added as a feature was a weighted race. So for example, the person who had 2000 square feet of space versus the person who had 1000 could weight their vote. So if Billy Bob had 2000 square feet and Joan here had 1000 square feet. When Billy Bob voted yay, he would get two votes to his yay. And Joan, if she voted no, would only get one vote. So this was done under certain logic that when people own portioning of things, you want to do that. It was called a weighted race. Well, that feature was put in in June 2701 into the Diebold systems. By the way, Diebold got bought by other companies. And that feature is now in every system, every election system. Okay. And if you go read the actual manual, they call it a weighted race. Very interesting. Weighted race. Okay. Um, and it says weighted races are tallied by weights assigned from the voter registration system and may be counted in the central count vote centers only. So what that means, and they give an example here. So let's say John Doe gets 25 points for his vote. They're using whole numbers and Jane Doe gets 33. So if they vote, yes, it's not one and one. John gets 25 votes, Jane gets 33. So it's 58 votes. And let's say Bill voted no, he only got a weight of 20. It's 20, so it's 58 to 20. Same thing with a different proposition. By the way, the system allows you to set weights for different races, different individuals, and different candidates. Okay? So Shiva Ayadure running, the 100 votes I got, you can set the weight to 0.5. And we'll get to that. Dylan, if he's running, he can get 1.5 for every vote he gets. He gets 1.5 and I only get 0.5. So let's just absorb that. So this is in the manual. This is evidence. People can go read this. Now, what Benny Smith discovered, he's a, uh, Benny went to high school, very, very modest, very smart guy, very humble guy. Benny said, you know, I started, he went actually bought, he went and actually got the software, the gem software, loaded it up on a server, and he was changing the variables to say, hey, when can I change the race type to the weighted type? And he found out when the setting was 10, the whole user interface of the presentation layer changed that now the administrator could set a weighted race, okay? Which means candidate A could get weighted down and candidate B could weight it up, okay? So Benny discovered how they did this. And then by a FOIA, they went and got actually an actual vote that took place with the GEMS Diebold system of the Alaska race in the 2004, 2004 general elections when John Kerry um, ran against uh, Bush. And what you see here is in the actual vote count, what do you see here? You see Kerry not got 120,000 
360 votes, but he got 120,360.63 votes. And what did Cheney get? 951,000, 95,126.02 votes. So that's why this is highlighted. The votes are not stored as integers. The votes are not stored as integers. Why is that? Why are the votes not stored as integers? Because the weighted race option is always turned on. Look at this. It goes, it is unnecessary, this is Benny's conclusion, to embed a weighted race feature into every election system in America, Benny and Babs, to accommodate minor special district elections. Okay, the fractional vote capabilities built into GEMS for all races, whether they're weighted or not, it is embedded in all locations, including states which do not have weighted elections. And it is a default setting for all races everywhere. Okay, let that absorb in. It's not one person, one vote. It's one person to some decimal vote. This is in every voting system in the United States that does elect that does electronic voting. And it gets even so what happens when a voting system works? You go in, if it's hand if it's hand done, okay, someone is physically reading it and they're looking at your oval. But if you vote with a machine, it goes through the image. So you take your piece of paper, okay, you 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 circle that ellipse, it goes in. And what the machine, electronic voting machine does, it takes an image, either in some JPEG or TIFF format, it stores that image, okay? The ballot is forgotten. The image, the voting machine then uses optical scanning methods or image processing, and it finds your ellipse and it says, oh, one for Shiva, one for uh, Dylan, one for another one for Shiva, another one for Dylan. But it's storing not in integers, it is storing in decimals. Why do they need decimals? Going back to the floating point, because if you can multiply by 0.5, you, you can fractionalize a vote. I hope this is clear. All right. So what did Benny discover? Benny found out that they remember the data store at the foundation layer. There's a simple, stupid Microsoft Access database, and it's not even password protected. So he actually looked in the database structure and voila, what does he find? The total votes. The data type, it's a double. They store the votes as a double fractional decimal. And the reason they're doing that is they can take all my votes and they can multiply it by 0.5 because you need decimals to be able to do fractionals. You can't do it with an integer, as I just told you, right? You need decimals. So the mathematics is set up so your vote the vote that I get is not a whole number. It's not one, two, three. It could be fractionalized. And you're seeing it right there out of the GEMS voting system, which is everywhere in every voting place. And by the way, so remember, the votes come in in the electronic, they're scanned. And it turns out that when fractional voting is turned on, many of these systems delete the image, which by law, you're supposed to save for 22 months. You're supposed to save the image for 22 months. That is a federal law. The ballot images, so forget the paper ballots because according to federal law, what you use to count is the actual evidence. So if they're deleting the evidence, 
and we can't find it, or if they're altering it by using weighted, then what? there is no evidence. It's not for me to prove that the evidence, the issue is for them, because remember, evidence is unambiguous prediction. So if we can't even know who voted, and then they can do this kind of multiplication, there is no evidence. It's all ambiguous. So I want to play something before I finish up. Is this on here? So can you turn it on? So what we did today was in conversation with John Brackey, who's really a sleuth at this, he and the others, Bev and Benny, have advised us that when fractional voting is turned on, guess what? Many of these systems are deleting the image, the ballot image. So today we filed a formal, it's like a lawsuit. It's right here. Show it over here to Instagram people. You can show who we sent it to, Dylan, and you can show it here. We sent it to the Secretary of State, Francis Galvin, and we delivered this today. And we, we'll put out the video of it. And it basically said, number one, we want all the scanned ballot images. We want all of that. Because if they don't have the ballot image, that means they did fractional voting, okay? We want all the ballot images. Second thing, we want the actual votes cast record, the actual people who actually voted. We want their names. They don't have to tell us who voted, but we wanna make sure that matches with the actual ballots. And then finally, we also wanted all the log files. Who was in those machines? Who was tampering with them? And these are allowed by you know, by law for us to ask this. So when we went to deliver this today, we went up to Galvin's office and they sent us to the next office over to one of their election officers. And it was quite interesting what he told us. I'm gonna play for you. Can I play this? Yeah, so I'm gonna write. Yeah, I'm gonna play for you. What What do I click to play? Can you play? So here we are. Let me play this. You can bring that closer. So we went to, and we gave our request. And this is what can we the list a separate thing, which I didn't put in there. Shiva? Huh? You prefer to address the Shiva? Yeah, yeah, you can have me, Dr. Shiva, yeah, Shiva's fine. Here's your 10 of Sam coffee. Okay. I mean, and just, just glancing at this, I don't yeah. think we took any pictures of any doubts. That's the whole thing. Yeah, they're in the digital, do you want to give me a beach page? So I know you got a beach page. I'm sorry about that, yeah, just, just for uh, clarity. Sorry about that. Um, well, here, you know what, forget it. Don't forget what I said. We're just going to reply to you writing, okay? Yeah, so I, I know the electronic systems have the ballot images. Uh, no. Uh, I don't believe so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the Diebold AccuVote electronic systems, not all of them. 51, 51 places you guys do them by hand. The other 200 places they do them with the AccuVote systems. I mean... Save the ballot images. The long short regard. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about how the technology works. Yeah. I don't believe that's correct. I don't believe they're saved. I think we turned any of the features like that off. There you go. So, so what he's saying here is he turned the features off. Okay. Did you hear what he just said? He said, I don't believe we have the ballot images. We turned the features off. This is at Secretary of State Galvin's office, one of the senior election officials telling us this. He's telling us that he doesn't think they have the ballot images, and he says that feature was turned off. There's no way that the features were turned off unless they just simply deleted the ballot images, which are the actual evidence of what the votes were. So just I just want to bring everyone up today. We'll keep you posted. 
but we and I'll put up the video of the whole thing. But we have actually filed with the Secretary of State. We want all the ballot images. We want all the records. We want all the log files. So that's where we're up to. So I hope this has helped people understand the reality of what's going on. You know that we have basically the whole thing is fraudulent because you can't even uh, have clear ambiguity. There is no clarity on what's coming in. They have the weighted thing. They have the double variable. Let me just bring this up again. It's it's quite extraordinary that we're even having to, that this feature even exists. Everyone on this phone should be wondering why this feature even exists. That's the fundamental question of the day. Why is this feature even exist? And that's what I want people to ask. Forget about whether, you know, the, the details of this, but the issue is why does this feature even exist? That's really the question. And that's really the question of the hour. <laughs> Why does this feature exist? Why does a feature exist that you, let me share this. Why does a feature exist that you are setting double var variables for your vote? And why is fractional voting bu built in? And why is it the default setting? Why does this exist? And who can control it? And I'm gonna try to probably try to see if I can get Benny Smith on, but in closing, what you find is that at minimum, there should have been 325K, uh, this should actually be 325K, sorry, 325,000 um, Republican voters at minimum, but only 259 showed up, 100,000 more than what Galvin said, but nearly 1,000 less than last year when this was record voting. And the estimates in my view, and in anyone with any basic math, a five-year-old, is that 50,000, 100,000 ballots are missing period. And guess what? Voila, yesterday, day before, 3,000 ballots were suddenly found in one, one, one city and another 150,000, 150 ballots in another city. And you have one of the council people saying there may even be more uncounted ballots in communities across the district. And that's deeply concerning for our democracy and our shared commitment to getting this election right. Okay. So we have 50,000, let me just fix this again. This should be 325K. So what you really have, when you look at this whole picture here, let me just bring this up, I don't think it's sharing, sorry. Uh, what you really have is you have 50 to 100,000 ballots missing. We already know 3,000 ballots in just one town they just found missing. Um, 259,000 people voted in 2018. Projections of Galvin were 100,000 off. He has 75% error on the Republican when he's the most experienced guy in, in, in Massachusetts on this. And in 2018, the Republican votes are nearing the 2020 Republican votes. And 60 to 40% in black, white, Hispanic neighborhoods for a guy, he got 60% when he didn't even campaign. So I think when we wrap this lecture up, I wanna bring it back to the core, is a view the United States voting systems are made for election fraud. They are made for election fraud. There is no evidence of your vote. And as I just shared today, they can manipulate your vote by assigning weighted race. And it's a, it's a standard feature. And where are we at? We are all slaves. If you're a working person, you have a likelihood of you're gonna be forced vaccinated. If you're in Massachusetts, you, you have horrible infrastructure we have the highest increase in hopelessness. We have the highest unemployment and racism is the order of the day. You're pitting black against white. That's what's going on. However, 
The only way out of this is what we are doing here. And this is why the movement for truth, freedom and health is so important. This is why it's gone global. It's gone national. And and this is why it was so dangerous to the establishment. This is why they had to cheat. You see, they had to cheat. First of all, they're cheaters. They don't work because they're afraid of us uniting. Our campaign slogan is working people unite beyond black and white, beyond left and right, truth, freedom and health. They had to cheat, ladies and gentlemen, because they will have doofus one and doofus two, but they do not want someone like us, someone like you, someone like me, a working person, MIT, PhD, forget the MIT, PhD, someone who's worked all his life, bottoms up, who solves problems. They don't want me taking on two lawyers, but we're not going to let up. We are moving this campaign into the next phase and you can be part of this. It's going to be an MIT PhD problem server. One of you, a problem solver versus two lawyers, two doofuses. We just because our name is not on that ballot doesn't mean anything. This is just a psychological thing. We're going to write in our campaign. We're going to write in our names. You know what the good thing about write ins? It's all hand counted. So let me say that again. A write in campaign is hand counted. And we're going to start using our own database. Every time someone writes in, we're going to tag it. We're going to take pictures. So what I need from all of you, as I mentioned last time, you know, this is a, a lot of effort for me to go down into the bowels here. And I do it as a labor of love because I believe that we need to educate people. But hopefully by now, if you look at my last lecture and this one, this talk, you can see the big picture is they do not want working people uniting. They're squeezing us. They want to do all sorts of things, censor us, force vaccinate us, and they surely don't want someone like me being your representative. But we're going to take them on big. All over Massachusetts, our movement is now escalating. We're not sitting back. We're not crying. We're escalating and we're going to expose them. We've already filed this and we'll see what the fools say. If they don't give us those ballot images, you're looking at crime, uh, you know, criminal penitentiary for some people because this is a federal offense. We're not going to let them get away. So what can you do? You, if you're outside, if you're anywhere part of the world, go to our website, donate to the campaign. You get something when you donate to our campaign. B, what you can do is you can volunteer. We need people making phone calls. We need people supporting the campaign. But most importantly, we need volunteers on the ground here in Massachusetts. We need people going to the website. And I'm going to share this with you right now. I need people right now not wasting time because we have about 60 days to November 3rd, less than that. I need people going right to the website. Let me share that. There's a couple of things people can do. We need to act. We're not going to be sitting here, uh, you know, crying. They did this to us. No, we're going to get angry. We don't cry. We get angry. So if you go to the website, A, you can donate. B, anyone here pledge to vote right now. Pledge. Put your first name and your last name and your email and your mobile so we can start the communication. We need 1.5 million people to pledge. We want to destroy these guys. We're going to do a write-in campaign. And the good thing about write-in, it's hand counted. It's hand counted. And we're setting up our own tracking mechanism. So everyone out there, get all your friends you know in Massachusetts to go right here. Click on, I'm going to vote for Dr. Shiva. Pledge, pledge, pledge. Volunteer to support our campaign. We need thousands more volunteers on the ground. We're going to make this hyper local. We're going to go neighbor to neighbor, door to door. We're going to get people to support the campaign. Everyone knows of Dr. Shiva and the campaign we ran. Why? Because all these amazing volunteers were on the ground working their butt off. And I can't, 
you know, that's what really gets me angry out of this whole thing. It's not that they cheated, but they cheated working people. We had people like Jerry Payne, who works a full-time job, who on his own nickel took time off and ran our campaign. We have people like Dylan who came in from Illinois. We have everyday working people who gave of their lives or sweat. That's what they did. They stole our labor with a doofus who was never out there, no lawn sign, no bumper sticker, no campaign. That's what should get people angry. And that's the middle class. That's us working people. We work hard and they squeeze us. So one set of people, they're making slaves on food stamps and not making them work. And the other people are getting the biggest wealth transfer in this country. And that's what should anger people. And so this campaign gives you the opportunity to fight back. And you can be anywhere, you can donate, you can volunteer. We have hundreds of people who helped us make phone calls and I wanna thank all of them. And I wanna thank all of you to spread this word. Take this video, put it out there because we know Facebook and the doofuses are throttling us. Download my videos, it's not copyright. Take it, share it everywhere. Put it up on your own Facebook site. We need to conduct a war against these guys because they don't give a damn about us. The fundamental thing of democracy is being stolen. The foundation of it, which is one person, one vote. It's not one person, one vote. You can see the math. It's one person, maybe one vote, maybe 0.5 votes, maybe 0.25, maybe 0.001 vote. Just make it disappear. Maybe double the vote. And that's what I've shared with you. All that education I got, all the stuff I got is for you to rise up. You can't take this lying down and you can't put your head in the sand. You can't run off to Vermont. You can't go do your own little thing and get, get your guns and stuff. It's not gonna work. We have to unite. We have to unite and we have to fight and we have to destroy them. That's what this is about. This campaign, this write-in campaign is taking it to them and we're gonna expose them every step of the way. You just heard it. This fool said, I don't, we, we, that's a feature we turned off. Isn't that what he said, Dylan? Right. Dylan was there. It's a feature we turned off. You can't turn off that feature, fool. That's violation of federal laws. But that's the hubris these people have. They think we're slaves and they're treating us like slaves. And we are slaves. So we got nothing to lose but our chains. It's time to rise up. That's what this is about. So go and donate to this campaign. You get the book. I help you. You help the campaign. B, start getting volunteers on the front to pledge to this campaign. That's what we need. We need people to pledge to support this campaign so we know we got the votes now. We're logging it ahead of time. Okay. Let's take some questions. Fight for freedom. Exactly. Um, Let's see, what else? Yes, maybe the website, you, you're, there we go. Uh, your foot soldiers needs hearts with their name and easy to read font. Exactly, Noreen, we're gonna have that. We're gonna have very clear, easy to read font and people can write it in. We're also gonna have sticker. But the bottom line is everyone, everyone, I need you all to work for the next 60 days. I can't just do it my own. It can't just be us. This is a global movement now. And Massachusetts is the epicenter. Massachusetts is the epicenter of the deep state. They test all their bullshit here. All the pharma companies are here. They're testing forced vaccination right here. They just passed a law. They're gonna, your child cannot go to school without a flu shot. And a child means all the way up to 30 years old, okay? Which means if you're getting your PhD, that's what's going on. Someone said, I'm, 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 I'm willing and there. I live in California. I came to Massachusetts, of course I didn't vote. You're one person we must have in Congress. Thank you, Jennifer. Someone said this, 
we are effed. They've dumbed down people. They've dumbed down the people. Well, uh, I think the bottom line is I believe in people. I believe we can educate people. And that's what I'm you know, here doing this. So everyone rise up. You have an opportunity to fight. You can't run anymore. And the good news is people are coming together around truth, freedom and health globally. We're building a powerful community. So join us. Be part of it and know that you have friends, that you have like minded people and we must defeat them. There's more of us than them. There's more of us than them. So anyway, I hope uh, this has helped everyone understand. That's right. Someone said all rise. Exactly. Everyone rise and be counted for. So again, I need everyone to go to our website, support the campaign in whatever way you can, you know, donate to the campaign, whatever way you can. And remember, you get the book and you get other tools to help your life. Pledge, get your friends to pledge to support the campaign. They can literally go and they can pledge for the campaign. All right, pledge. And the other thing they can do is volunteer. There's many things, but we need 1.5 million pledges now. So we know we're tracking the voters. We know what votes we have. So when they try to screw us, we have it documented. We got to win. And now that we know the entire voting system is fraudulent, we at least know our rose colored glasses should be removed. Okay. We don't have democracy. We don't have democracy in this country. The Kings gave us one step forward, something called voting, but they, then they took two steps back. And all of this can be manipulated by a few set of people for, by a few set of people within seconds can change those weighted numbers. Okay. Anyway, thank you everyone. Be the light. We must win this fight. Get off your butts and start working. Okay. This campaign is giving you an opportunity to be a human being, or you will be turned into a robot and then you will be gotten rid of. That's where this is all headed towards. That's what this is all about. That's why they believe they can do this. You're not one man, one vote. So anyway, be the light, be well. Let's escalate this fight. Thank you.